0: I were a rich man with a million or two. I'd live in a penthouse in a room with a view. And if I were handsome, no way it could happen. Those dreams do come true. I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't
1: have. Hello, you. and welcome to but Cranky Commentaries. As always, I am Jake Del Mastro. I am joined by my good friend Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Hello. As we did Monsters, Inc. last week, we are finishing up our coverage of that movie, and we'll be getting into a lot more gritty details.
2: We got some of the gritty details out of the way last week, but I guess there's some more gritty details coming this week.
1: Yeah, there's some some some, some legal conflict, yeah. uh, some... Some Star Trek, yeah, maybe maybe a little bit of Trek, maybe six degrees of it. So, yeah, uh, we got a good good show for you today. Uh, stay
0: tuned. You and me together, that's how it always should be. One without the other, don't mean nothing to me, nothing to me. Yeah, I wouldn't be nothing oh, no. If I didn't have you to soil I'm just a punky little eyeball And a funky optic knife Hey, I never told you this Sometimes I get a little blue Looks good on you But I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have you Let's dance
1: All right um, so there was some controversy associated with this movie, right?
2: Yeah, there was a bit of, uh, a bit of controversy. There was, um, a
1: bit of controversy. There were some legal
2: challenges. There was some legal,
1: there's some litigation. S- some litigation happened, and it was, it was pretty messy. Um, but yeah, like, a lot you know, of stuff happened. A lot of stuff happened, but, you know, don't worry. We're going to sort it out for you here. Uh, Because we're going to get to the bottom and we're going to find the truth. So welcome to the segment where uh, me and Keaton get to the bottom of a fact or pseudo fact or <laughs> information tidbit about the movie yeah and we get to the bottom of it
2: yeah yeah and we find we and find... i should
1: mention before we do this specific one that <laughs> me and norkeaton are lawyers and you should not take our <laughs> advice on anything regarding the law because we do not know anything about that
2: no I all don't right know. <laughs> i don't know anything about copyright copyright litigation so that neither said, do i that being said let's talk about in depth some copyright litigation yes um we we so the 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 point of this truth i think here is we there were there were two lawsuits major lawsuits i'm i'm sure there were other ones cuz it was a a big production but there were there were two major lawsuits that monsters inc faced um both actually before and after it was released um, but the, 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 point of this truth, I think is we're going to, we're going to talk about the basis of the lawsuits and maybe we can come to some conclusions about uh, whether or not they were valid. I mean, I know the courts already came to their own conclusions, but, but what do the courts know really? What the fuck did the judges know? Like, let's, we'll come to some conclusions here and we'll find the truth. Some um, Yeah.
1: Well, we, we allegedly might come to some kind of conclusion. <laughs> yeah. It, allegedly. Um, yeah.
2: So, in order to understand the first lawsuit um, that Monsters, Inc. had to deal with, um, let us read a bit of poetry um, written by a woman named Lori Madrid in the fall of 1999. So, Jake, will you take take us away? Read this poem by Lori Madrid.
1: Murder some poetry here. Um, There's a boy in my closet, the little monster said. His mommy shook her head at him and said, go back to bed. There's no such thing as little boys. I've told you that before. Now climb back in your bed and close your closet door. But, Mom, I swear I saw him. My vision wasn't blurry, and he looked really weird because he wasn't furry. I'm sure that that's what he's covered with. Sorry, I'm not sure what he's covered with. I think it might be skin. He's not big and fat like me. He's bony and he's thin. He's got some (laughs) freckles on his face. Instead of horns, there's hair. Jeez, Mom, if you take a look, you'll—I know you'll get a scare. I've never heard him roar like us, but he's almost made me cry, because he looked right up at me, and heard—and I heard him say hi. That's why I ran back down here. She said, "Son, I love you so, but there's no such thing as little boys." Now back to bed you go.
2: So, that's
1: a decent little bomb, I
2: guess. That was—I uh, think. After would you say that
1: this fits the legal definition of a poem?
2: Of a poem? Yeah. Yeah, of the legal definition, I would say. But as we said, I'm no, I'm no copyright. Yeah. Lawyer, I mean, but
1: allegedly it might.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. So I think I think it's pretty clear why we read that poem, and what the first lawsuit may or may not have been, based on its contents.
1: Yeah. So are are they alleging? that uh that Monsters Inc was ripped off of this poem that is which, which was written in 1999 the poem
2: the poem was written in 1999 by Lori Madrid right. she was like a social worker um she worked with children she started off she like uh would like write children's like songs for the children to like help them feel better about certain situations and right. uh, um eventually she she wrote she, she wrote this poem um but we'll get into a little bit more detail about that. But that—that's the basis of the lawsuit—is that Monsters Inc. was ripped off of this poem. Right.
1: So this poem having been written in 1999, though, wouldn't that sort of be? Wouldn't Monsters Inc. have already been in production, and wouldn't they have already had the idea of friendly monsters and kids monsters being scared by kids?
2: Totally, and I'm sure they testified to that. But so yeah. let, let, let's so let's talk about some of the details about okay. the case um uh, already the lawsuit seems a bit vague (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but regardless it it almost derailed the entire course of the film in a massive way Um, really yeah so well i guess because yeah well this is why this is exactly why this is the specific thing that Lori madrid's lawyer did she requested that the court issue a preliminary injunction um banning disney from releasing the film on its scheduled date oh. um that's a that that's would pretty be a big deal that's <laughs> pretty fucking tense am i wrong like that yeah
1: no that's that's intense that's huge uh, it, it, i assume there's a fairly high standard of fairly high burden of proof to get the judge to issue that injunction yeah well
2: it, in order to issue the injunction um th- there was a hearing disney had a chance to, to argue its case in a hearing Mm-hmm um, but in a baffling yet absolutely fucking hilarious Did move, Disney fuck it up? <laughs> no, the judge scheduled the hearing on the injunction to take place on November 1st, 2001. Oh, I you... see. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so the
1: movie came out on November 2nd, I think we mentioned it earlier, right? Yeah. Allegedly.
2: No, definitely, not allegedly. <laughs> the movie came out on November 2nd. <laughs> But the hearing took place on November 1st, literally a day before the movie was supposed to release. Imagine. I mean, obviously, it's unlikely. Obviously, it's unlikely. But imagine if what? somehow. Yeah.
1: If they lost it or it got delayed or exactly. something and they didn't have a. Well, I guess. Yeah. I get... Then they would have had to like pull it
2: like after it was already being like shown. Right. Well, it, it, it... Like they'd leave because it, it was showing at four thousand, almost four thousand theaters. Right. So, but um, they didn't
1: need the case to conclude to conclude before they showed the movie, right? Because the case the, was about the injunction, right? Exactly. The, this or this. This hearing was about the injunction. So the hearing was about the injunction, right? So yes. the injunction hadn't been put in place. No, no, not yet. So they could have gone ahead until the injunction came out. So th- it, there was a possibility that the, the movie would have got pulled after showing on the first day or something
2: theoretically, if that had yeah. been the lawyer's move, but they wanted to delay the release because, and we'll get into the details of kind of why they wanted to issue this injunction in just a second. Right. But, like, I just like the, the, the actual um, effect that it would have if they had succeeded. Like, these 4,000, almost 4,000 theaters, they already had the film roles, and they'd been advertising this yeah. movie for months. Oh, I'm sure. Like, yeah, I'm would sure be... they
1: sold tickets.
2: And they had no ba- backup <laughs> plan. Like there was like,
1: yeah. Like what's going to happen? Exactly. Like I'm sure. Have, I'm sure a lot of the movies, a lot of the theaters would probably just put it on.
2: I don't know. They, but they couldn't, I don't know if they could, like, I don't know. yeah Someone, I guess you're right. I don't know how that would work. I really don't know. Like if some like, uh, like small theater <laughs> decided yeah. to actually screen it, I don't yeah, know. Exactly. That'd be crazy. Um, but obviously none of this came to be cause the film was released on November 2nd. Um, but that didn't mean Disney isn't taking this shit seriously. Um, they had like a massive team of lawyers, obviously, um, and yeah, Pete Doctor had to had to testify at the hearing. Show up in court, yeah, before the release of his movie, his directorial yeah. debut. So 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 basically, the story of the lawsuit is um, so Laurie Madrid wrote this poem in 1999. Mm. Um, that October of 1999, she mailed the poem. To about, to to like six publishers, she said, mm. um, in search of some sort of deal. One of the publishers she mailed the poem to was a publisher called Chronicle Books. Um, I don't know; mm. you may have heard of them. A company based in San Francisco. Um, right. Okay. They publish a wide variety of books, in, including. Sorry, where, books. where's
1: Laurie? Laurie from?
2: Uh, I think New York. Okay. I think New York is what it mentioned because I believe
1: um, Pixar is based in the bay area right
2: it is it is it's a, mm. uh, <laughs>
1: okay so we're starting to get um, our first connection here
2: yeah so chronicle books um is one of the people she mailed the poem to also based in san francisco just like uh just like pixar um right. on top of that chronicle books um they 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 published those like art of books which showcased the art of like animated films Okay. Yeah, yeah. Those are cool. Um, and they also pick like Disney Pixar. Mm-hmm.
1: Ah, connection—they have a deal with Disney Pixar in some. Form yeah. So. Point.
2: So, but we'll come back to the Chronicle connection in a little bit. Um, it's a little further on the timeline; it becomes relevant. Because, um, okay. because after uh, Laurie Madrid's poem failed to get any attention from publishers, she just, I don't really know what she was searching for. Because it, it, the way it was like written, it seemed like she just sent this poem to a bunch of right, publishers.
1: Right? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she wanted to have it included in some. Maybe like, some I like. Maybe it was
2: a collection she sent it around. I don't know. But yeah. it just seemed like she just sent this like one like twenty-eight line poem to. Right. Unless <laughs> she know, did like...
1: it specifically so that it, she would have the legal precedent to say uh, that I, whoa. this movie was.
2: That's a hot take. This is <laughs> that's, like a that's whole a other hot layer take, to the truth here. That's a pretty hot take, I guess. Um when she was made aware, like when a couple of her friends saw the Monsters Inc. trailer. Um mm. Oh sorry, I totally even didn't mention, like, uh, after she after she didn't get any attention from the publishers, she decided to like produce a musical. I don't yeah. really know. Get I like get that thing back by Red King. yeah um she decided to turn the whole thing into a musical which she put together and apparently had begun to showcase in early 2001 um i i really tried to find
1: is it called get that thing back where it came from
2: (laughs) or so help me no what was it called (laughs) it was called like the boy in my closet or something okay yeah yeah um and she began yeah so she began to showcase early 2001 um by the time she was uh, aware, made aware that Monsters Inc existed. She was horrified. Like a couple of her friends saw the trailer and told her that like, Hey, they Pixar stolen your idea. Right. Um, and she was like, Oh man, now that like, this is a movie, um, no production company is going to want to pick up my musical, which, you know, probably correct. I guess. Yeah. Necessarily for that reason, but who knows? It may have been a great musical. I couldn't watch it. I couldn't find it. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, we'll never know.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: so was well,
2: so it? Did the musical ever get made? Well, she she staged a few, like, um, showcases. I don't think it was like oh, okay. it ever was like a a significant situation. Okay. Right. Um, it, so let's let's just revisit Chronicle Books for just one second. We'll coming back. Okay. That. Yeah, yeah. The office, as we mentioned, is located in the Bay Area. Okay. Um, Pixar is also located in the Bay Area. Okay. Is that a coincidence?
1: I mean, yeah, kind of.
2: Laurie Madrid thought not. Uh. In addition to their suspicious location, there were also
1: several okay. other... How close are we talking, by the way? Do do we know? <laughs> I don't know. They're both so in, they're the, just in Bay the same Area. City. Or in the same area around the same city. Okay. Um,
2: but that's that's enough people could have like it's true i mean there's
1: not that many like friggin film companies in san francisco Chron-
2: chronicle books had in the past partners partnered with lucasfilm in the star wars books oh so there's another con- a further connection between pixar and chronicle
1: yes because as we all know pixar used
2: to be part of lucasfilm exactly um and here's another. This is this is where it gets interesting. Prior to Monsters Inc, Pixar had released all of their art books. Um, they had like published them with a company called Hyperion.
1: Right. Not Chronicle.
2: Not Chronicle. No. Okay. However, when it came time to release the Monsters Inc art book, they partnered with Chronicle.
1: So, who they do not they had not previously worked with. No. Now. But. But Chronicle had worked with Lucasfilm. Yes. Okay.
2: Now, it was Lori Madrid's assertion that when she had sent her poem to Chronicle, um, they had hurriedly and nefariously passed it on to Pixar, who in exchange for the hot tip had given them the contract to publish this book. <laughs>
1: so your that's just, reaction <laughs> that, that's a lot of confidence it, in the quality of this idea
2: it is isn't it it is
1: yeah it's, it's, a, it's
2: a it's a pretty far stretch it's a pretty yeah, far it's stretch it's a
1: bit of a stretch to me
2: to assume somebody working at chronicle had read like this 28 line poem oh
1: man this is so good oh geez this idea like not even the poem itself but just yeah. The idea of a kid be sorry, a monster being afraid of a kid, man, that's dynamite. I'm gonna send that to Pixar. Yeah, I gotta, you know, I gotta steal and that's this. who I'm gonna send it to. I'm not gonna send it to Pixar. I'm not gonna send it to some random other company
2: that <laughs> well,
3: no. Yeah, I don't
1: know.
2: And and we're gonna leverage it for for publication. Yeah, points. and we're we're
1: gonna leverage it. Yeah.
2: I don't get and, it. And I know. And on top well, of this, as we've already as we've already discussed, Monsters Inc. was well underway. Um, yeah, before was, Pixar, they
1: definitely had that idea of the monsters being afraid of the kids at that point.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But, but however unlikely, it wasn't impossible. No, definitely not. Not impossible. It definitely made Disney executives sweat to think that the prosecution, yeah. like they'd be able to pour over, because part of the For- like, sorry, one.
1: Regardless of, like, whether or not the lawsuit was successful, like, a lawsuit is still something you don't want to have to fucking deal with. No, <laughs> like, and, and this... Especially you... the day before your move is going to come out.
2: Exactly, and, it, and part of it is this, this, this lady's lawyer, Um, I forget her name, it uh, doesn't really matter, I guess,
1: but... She, like, the lawyer or Lori? Lori,
2: her, Lori? Madrid's lawyer, I don't remember her name. Okay, so you um, don't know
1: Lori's lawyer. Yeah, Lori's lawyer's... Okay.
2: Yeah, she'd be able... To pour over, like, employee emails, memos, newsletters of, like, Disney employees, oh, Pixar. employees, right. You should have because... access to all of that. Right. Um, to look for a Chronicle connection. Right, because
1: it could be relevant to the case.
2: Yeah, someone from Chronicle may have emailed them.
1: And, yeah, so they definitely wouldn't want to have that just be, uh... yeah, that would... And they would be pretty much legally obligated to show it off like to basically just hand it over right? yeah they had to
2: they would have to yeah 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 um so how do you think the case went
1: i assume disney won and the injunction didn't happen because the movie came out on the day right yep okay, okay yeah so that's exactly <laughs> okay yeah um
2: yeah so the injunction was obviously shot down did, because did lori really that she had a chance i don't know i get the vibe like i mean obviously i'm judging someone from reading court documents about them so
1: yeah okay yeah all but, judgment aside like i'm sure Lori, you had some valid reasons to yeah th- think, and whatever but
2: and she was like you know a social worker worked with children or whatever i think she was just right. bummed that she wouldn't be able to like do her musical oh, okay because it was like no one was gonna
1: because it, it was too similar to the movie
2: yeah okay so yeah. okay i guess
1: but i it don't know it seems like a
2: it does seem like a pretty misguided case from the start.
1: Yes, um, it seems like you should have known you were going to lose that one.
2: Yeah. Ultimately, the, ultimately, their case was dismissed, and so there was
1: no settlement or anything. the The,
2: the case was dismissed with prejudice. Um,
1: so they actually went to court and they did the hearing and everything. Yeah, and they
2: did the hearing. Injunction didn't happen. Case was dismissed oh, with
1: prejudice.
2: And, I'm but, sorry, the, Lori. You really fucked that one up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like. Get them to settle. <laughs> yeah, they probably would have done it.
2: Yeah, she pulled this massive power move, like with this injunction. <laughs> she pulled some
1: massive power move and didn't get anything out of it. Yeah, yeah. like you could have just been like, okay, yeah, you know, because uh, obviously they had the Disney exec sweating, right? Oh,
2: totally. Well, he, they have to be it, like she could have
1: just been like, okay, Disney, give me you know a million dollars or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, is that like, too
2: much? I don't know. Well, how much do you think they paid the lawyers to show up for that injunction here? Exactly.
1: It probably... Yeah. Like, like give me a million dollars and... You know, the and case, I'll drop this. Like, yeah. you know, and, and we'll settle it, okay? Yeah. We'll settle it out of court, a million dollars. It just is a I weird... feel like, you know, she would have at least got some money something, out of that. yeah, something. It would have paid her legal fees. And, you
2: know, it's not... You can't write off the fact that it is true. Like, there isn't necessarily, like, a No, copyright. yeah, there's,
1: there's, there's a path that you could go to to say, like, this claim is reasonable, like, right? like
2: obviously the Chronicle shit's garbage. Um,
1: yeah. Like it's not, but yeah, you should have just settled, man. Yeah. Come on, Lori.
2: And, and this is, so this is, um, like with prejudice means that like, um, the, they, the plaintiff can't bring the same case against the same defendant again. It, right. Like, in any, a, court? in or... any court, in any court, in any okay. court. That's like, that's the end right. of the matter. Um, right. The conclusion of the case can be summed up in this excellent sentence from the court documents. It says, the court finds that any similarity that may exist between the plaintiff's poem and the defendant's works is merely a similarity of ideas and not a similarity in the expression of those ideas. Right. Which is actually a pretty insightful sentence to the inner workings of copyright litigation.
1: Yeah, well, I know that, like, actually, the language for copyright is quite interesting and in that it's like, you can't copyright an idea. No. You can only copyright the expression of an idea. And once again, I want to I wanna reiterate I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> do no, not you think any of this is legal? Advice. We've
2: already, we, we went in depth into your profession no, earlier, just, and you're definitely not sure a lawyer. No, i sure people know.
1: <laughs> I'm definitely not a lawyer. I do um, not know anything about this.
2: Also, not, not a know. lawyer.
1: Do not sue us. Who's gonna <laughs> Who like, so, like I it... don't know, it could happen. It's you true. Know, don't Lori do it. might sue us yeah, don't for do it. defamation.
2: No, Lori, we like you. Yeah, we, we want... like you, Lori. We wanted we're... you to make millions. We wanted
1: you to get the money and yeah. settle. Yeah. Like, I know. was rooting for you, Lori. We're we're rooting for you. I mean, we know yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh so what's the truth of that? Is the truth that it's just the idea is they came up with it independently essentially?
2: Yeah, I think that's, that's the it. Truth. It's, they I just think both the idea, came up with that idea. Well, I think the idea is a similarity of ideas. Like that court, that court sentence is basically right, yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> that's the truth.
1: That's the truth. Is like, and it, it, it legally s- is the truth.
2: Yeah, those are yeah. The legal truth is those it's are like, similar. The legal ideas. truth
1: is that it's a similarity of ideas, and not in the crucial <laughs> expression of the idea
2: exactly precisely
1: okay
0: how can i do this How can gonna be so stupid this could destroy the company the company who cares about the company what about us that thing is a killing machine i bet it's just waiting for us to
2: fall asleep and then ah! oh we're easy prey my friend easy prey we're sitting targets Okay, look, I think I have a plan here. Using mainly spoons, we dig a tunnel under the city and release it into the wild. Spoons. That's it. I'm out of ideas. We're closed. Hot air balloon, too expensive. Giant slingshot, too conspicuous. Enormous wooden horse, too Greek. Now, unfortunately for Pixar and Disney... As I mentioned, this Lori Madrid lawsuit was, in fact, only the first lawsuit brought against Monsters, God, Inc. we've got another lawsuit. We've got a second one. And this one is decidedly more serious. Um, oh. And I bet it also had, well, it had far more to do with The Grateful Dead than I'm sure you anticipated. Oh,
1: really? Okay, yeah.
2: <laughs> no. Well, in reality, The Grateful Dead didn't really have anything to do with the lawsuit at all. Actually, it, it was brought forth by a guy named Stanley Mouse Miller. Um, and this guy was a damn hippie.
1: Okay. Was he a dead fan?
2: Well, uh, yes. Allegedly? Yes. No, he so We not, know he's
1: a dead fan, not just any hippie.
2: He was in Haight Ashbury in
1: 1965. Oh, Jeez. Hardcore dead. Um,
2: and he was deep in the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Deep in the scene. He was like, I don't know if you you're familiar with the family dog. Um,
1: it's I've heard the name before but yeah
2: bunch of hippies if you know the Mary Pranksters they're like the other group the family dog right okay. um anyway they he got in with the family dog he was a member of the family dog he was friends with Bill Graham um and for yeah. the first part of the hippie movement till about like 1968 he was the go-to guy for like concert posters and artwork oh, okay. um he did posters. I thought you were gonna
1: say he's the go-to guy for acid
2: <laughs> maybe like, i mean he's probably i don't know uh very good that was that was Housley, Stanley, right? yes. yeah. yeah bear um anyway Kid
1: Charlemagne. <laughs> he's Kid uh, Charlemagne, if you were wondering yeah i know yeah <laughs> uh continuing um
2: <laughs> in the in the in the late 60s and early 70s though he did artwork and album covers for the dead um, and he created the iconic skull and roses imagery. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, Stanley, Stanley, Classic. Mouse Miller. Yeah. Um, he also did album covers for Journey as well.
1: Oh, okay, um, also classics. Yeah. Anyway, I'm you getting
2: sidetracked. Oh, I forget. I forget. You could Stanley Miller. That's his name. Journey. Stanley okay, Miller. I'll Journey. I'll it up later. Yeah. Early '70s. Um, yeah. but I'm getting bad sidetracked.
1: Bad Felix on this one, he'd, uh, he'd he did. On yeah. yeah. <laughs> he would know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, did you?
2: Yes, so the that's all side information. That's just background information on the, on, on on Stanley Miller. The real basis mm. of the lawsuit um, comes from a set of recurring characters um, which Miller first created in the early sixties. Okay. Um, they would eventually be named Fred Flypogger and mm. Wise Guy. And I don't know if you see the guy, spelling.
1: I see it on the on the on the notes here. Guy is spelled G apostrophe E Y <laughs> E. Mm, it's like an it's,
2: I. It's like an I. So I think okay. you can maybe infer that the latter was the more problematic of the right. characters. Was Wise Guy
1: potentially green?
2: Well, not necessarily. Over the years, like, these characters went underwent, like, tons of revisions. Um, but they but, were... The, he was cycloptic. He was a giant eye. He was, he was essentially Mike He's Wazowski. He was Mike Wazowski. But he was, like, yeah. covered in fur, and I don't think he had arms. Well, sometimes he had arms. Okay. Um, but This seems very vague. It is, that, and that's kind of, I yeah. think, part of the case. Um Okay. But in nineteen ninety seven Miller Stanley Miller had I'm just gonna
1: like quickly search an image.
2: Yeah, yeah, you so should look up it. the images of the right now you should um uh Fred Flypogger and wise guy Stanley Miller. Okay. Um yeah, in nineteen ninety seven, um he had plans to create an animated film based on these characters. Um oh. And he had prepared some concept art and a script. Um, and I think the, fi- the film was going to be called Excuse My Dust. Um, yeah. And this is where it gets kind of interesting. Um, in the script, there were details like the name of the city that the monsters lived was called Monster City. Um, it wasn't called
1: Monstropolis.
2: No, but, you know, Monster City. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, clearly you're not moved by Monster City, but perhaps you'll be moved by the name of... There's like a major corporation in the movie called the Monster Corporation of America. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Was that a was that a dig at MCA, the record company?
2: It might have been, actually. Because <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually that was... Stanley Miller's own company was called the Monster Corporation of America. Um, right, okay. But, anyway, but yeah,
1: starting to get close... Yeah,
2: yeah. Um so the Fred Flybogger character didn't really resemble Sully, if if you've looked up the pictures. Um I actually cannot find a picture of this. Um look up case okay, search excuse my dust. Okay. Excuse my dust, Stanley Miller. Try that.
1: Oh yeah. You see I him? Yeah, see you found it. That. Yeah, okay, that's... So that's
2: what you should look up then. Everybody everybody look it up. I'm s i am yeah.
1: Search up yeah, uh Excuse My Dust, Stanley Miller, the very first thing Is an image of Fred. It's not Fred. Uh, it's wise, wise guy.
2: Wise guy.
1: And um, this guy looks a lot like Mike Wazowski.
2: Yep. Yep. Short um, head and body consisting of a giant eye. Yeah. I mean, spindly legs. I can
1: see how, you know, somebody might come up with that on their own, but still, it's like, it's definitely there's a resemblance. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that was part of the case, I think, was like talking about um they had like a monster expert i don't think i go into it too much here but i'll mention it oh yeah they had like a that that, that, that's an interesting job title yeah he was like a university professor who had done a lot of writings about like monsters in in culture and and he he talked a lot about how that wasn't like the most like original necessarily idea but he was like he was referencing like cyclopses and stuff from like you know right greek myths so you know okay uh, um oh yeah he also the wise guy character also uh he had a girlfriend who was twice his height um yeah did I you have him? snakes for her she, i don't i didn't i couldn't find a picture of her i, I tried to find uh and, and as much information on excuse my desk as i could and it really wasn't as much as i would have liked right. um but but i think what's interesting is like also did uh, does he ha- he doesn't have arms does he in that picture
1: no, not in the picture I'm looking at. Also yeah. he has what He's... looks like fur, but I can't tell.
2: He's covered in fur, I think, yeah. And both of these are details that were included in uh early concepts of Mike, I think. Definitely the oh. no arms. I think Mike yeah. was furry. Although
1: he doesn't have horns in this, which Mike has.
2: Maybe it's under the fur.
1: Yeah, maybe. But, but I don't is... know. It's just something about like the eye and the mouth and like the expression. Makes yeah. It look so Mike-y. like
2: if if there was like no connection Maybe you could see it as being like kind of independent, yeah. but it gets interesting when you um, you look at the fact that
1: what is John Lasseter a Deadhead too?
2: <laughs> Not that I know of. We'd have wow. to ask him when he comes on the show. Um, yeah, when when we get on the show, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he he's got an open invitation. Um So as we mentioned earlier, Mike Wazowski had been created in 1990.
1: Eight. Um, right, you mentioned that, which was
2: after. Well, <laughs> it's after nineteen ninety seven.
1: Allegedly, you... nineteen ninety eight comes after nineteen ninety seven. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly.
2: Um, that's when he had circulated the. Excuse I mean, my. Unless dust. you're
1: talking about nineteen ninety seven BC, then it's the other way around. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Kid? kid? <laughs> what kid? It's here in the factory, isn't it? You're not pinning this on me. It
0: never would have gotten
2: out if you hadn't been cheating last night! Cheating?
0: Cheating. Right. Okay, I think I know how to make this all go away. What happens when the whistle blows in five minutes? Uh, I get a time out? Everyone goes to lunch! Which means
3: the scare floor will be... Painted?
1: Empty! It'll be empty, you idiot!
0: You see that clock? The big hand is pointing up, and the little hand is pointing up. The kid's door will be in my station. But when the big hand points
3: down, the door will be gone. You have until then to put the kid back. Get the picture?
2: One of the people who received the copy of Excuse My Dust was... And this person renamed, remained unnamed in the court documents Ooh, that I read. but see Yeah. One of the people who received it was a friend of John Lasseter.
1: Mm. Hmm. I don't know. Seems pretty sketchy. Pretty sketchy.
2: Although this friend, they claim they never share it with Lasseter.
1: Um, okay. Uh, do you know if anybody's credited with, with originally coming with the mic design? A- I, I, no, no, concept one, artist? no one. No n- one. No?
2: that in anything I came across. Right. Okay. Claims. It
1: it didn't come up in the lawsuit at least. No.
2: Or even in like in the, um, in David Price's book, a Pixar touch or the Pixar touch. But even more intriguing is there was a claim that was published in a, in a BBC article in 2002, which was before this lawsuit had been settled. It was like earlier on in like the, the, the lifespan of it. Um, It was a claim that was Stanley Miller was visited by a Pixar story artist in 2000 to discuss Mm. his work.
1: So this was after Mike allegedly was conceived.
2: Yes. And it also came out that during they had collected Stanley Miller's work at some point. um, Pixar had collected Stanley Miller's work. You know how story artists do. They Collect like yeah, examples uh, of stuff. Exactly, I'm
1: sure it's yeah.
2: Um, but it wasn't proven that 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 wise guy was part of that collection.
1: Right. Okay. So we know that Pixar artists had contact with Stanley Miller.
2: At least he he claimed that in this 2000 BBC article. But this is where allegedly. It gets, this is where exactly and allegedly
1: that a friend of John Lasseter got a copy had. Got a copy of "Eat My Dust"? Excuse my dust. Excuse my dust. Sorry. Eat My
2: Dust was that film that um, uh, Ron Howard directed, oh, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm getting all throwback throwback podcast episodes. <laughs> um, yeah, but this is so in the court documents though. This is, it, it says this. What plaintiffs don't claim is a visit from a story animator from Pixar in 2000. In fact, they acknowledge that they can't prove a Pixar employee had access. The defense agrees.
1: Oh, so you're saying that he lied in that
2: interview. I'm saying, yeah, this there was (laughs) he, he was getting a little big for his britches, apparently, before the actual lawsuit was you know going down talking a big game right as soon as it came time to prove it they were like oh we can't actually prove it so i mean at very least that means they can't prove it
1: yeah they can't prove it but yeah i don't know what i don't know what his lawyers told who knows what happened but but i mean it is possible that like he believes that it happened but they don't have enough evidence to actually say that in court because like and maybe it did happen it would have been proved to be wrong
2: how are you going to prove that that happened you know
1: well i don't know but i mean i'm pretty sure like even if it's just you say that it happened, like I'm pretty sure that's worth something in court. Right. I mean I'm not a lawyer, as I've said many times.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know that it would be. I really don't know. Maybe I feel like you'd have to um but yeah I'm pretty sure
1: like even if you don't have like a hundred percent evidence, if it can't be disproven, you could put like what's his name on the stand? Yeah. And have him say, This is what happened. Right. They didn't because do that. Because he'd be under oath, so as long as, like, he truly, honestly,
2: Believed, as yeah, long no, as he right. can
1: confirm that it, that, that in fact, happened, right? You're right. Because, I mean, what's possible is that maybe under cross-examination, maybe the other, the, not the prosecutor, the other lawyer, whatever <laughs> they call them, prosecutor, I, don't defense. Lawyer, I don't know what they call these things. Plaintiff. But the other lawyer defended. would be like, yeah, they'd be like, okay, you know. Oh, you know, this is probably not true because of this, this, and this. So maybe they yeah, maybe they didn't. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? But although they explicitly agreed though, you said.
2: They agreed. The defense agreed that they couldn't they couldn't right, okay. prove it.
1: Um But did the defense claim it? Or just claim that
2: they couldn't prove it? Um the judge this is the this, so this is a quote from the judge. I'll read it one more time. Okay. What plaintiffs don't claim is a visit from a story animator from Pixar in 2000. In fact, they acknowledge that they can't prove a Pixar employee had access. The defense agrees.
1: So the the plaintiff is the the guy suing them. It's, what's his name?
2: Yes. It's It's Stanley Stanley Miller and
1: his lawyers. Stanley Miller and his lawyers. Yeah. Okay.
2: But so they also call to a stand, the stand, a guy named Jerry Lee Bryce, um and okay. this guy was like uh he had worked at Disney as like a story animator or something. Um and he'd worked with Pete Doctor in the past. Right. But he was he his conclusion was basically that the similarities were too much to be purely coincidental and that they must have been copied. I mean mm, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. it's like it's close,
1: but like, I mean like I feel like it could easily be coincidental.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is where, like, it comes back that, like... But, I mean, I don't know. Once again, maybe. Maybe they did see it. Yeah, maybe they did. Maybe they, like... Like, it, it maybe it wasn't, like, nefarious. Maybe it was inadvertent, like, they saw...
1: That's that's definitely possible.
2: Yeah. Now, because Miller Now we're was, starting to make
1: soft takes, and that's not what anybody wants. No, no one
2: wants a soft take. So here's a hard take. <laughs> now, because Miller was a f- fucking hippie right the only the only work involving this pair of monsters he had managed to copyright over the supposed 40 years of their existence was excuse my dust um okay so that didn't do him any favors i imagine because he had no right, copyright do you not have any copies of these drawings going back But doesn't matter it gives a shit or
1: was unable to produce them
2: who knows the point is they weren't copywritten so
1: well i mean copyright actually once again not a lawyer As far as I know, it actually happens automatically. Mm. Like, if you draw something, it's copyrighted. Really? You own the copyright to that. I guess that makes sense. Um, So it's like, if he was able to produce a copy of the drawing, he could prove that it existed at this time.
2: Right. Well, so either way, um, like... Once again, not a lawyer. No, not a lawyer. Yeah. in, In... a judge did rule that there was enough similarity to substantiate a jury trial right um, okay which i don't think happened in the lori madrid case i don't think it got that far
1: no yeah cuz <laughs> i feel like <laughs> I feel like most juries would probably be like yeah that's probably stretching it a bit
2: now obviously the idea of a jury copyright trial to a hollywood executive is is yeah the worst possible scenario really isn't it (laughs) it's just like yeah really you just don't like you don't want that especially a jury trial no like yeah well i
1: mean jury trial is obviously going to be you know hard to predict
2: and especially when you're kind of a big corporation i don't know if the say the view is the same in the early 2000s but like i don't know
1: well yeah i would definitely say that yeah probably a big corporation versus likely to yeah they're not likely to have the, the jury's not likely to have any kind of, uh, uh, they wouldn't, the jury wouldn't really care if they had to pay a bunch of money. No, exactly. Basically.
2: They would not be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. they don't give a shit. Um, so what do you think the outcome was? Uh, what do I think the outcome was?
1: Yeah. Um, I think they settled. You'd be correct. <laughs>
2: Yeah, the case I mean, like... the, the case settled out of court in two thousand six before it went to trial, uh, and all the related documents. Do, do you know what the settlement was? Or it's like... all sealed. It's all sealed to the public. Okay. There's no information. Uh, and Stanley so Miller a, has been pretty quiet about it. Stanley
1: Miller got a good chunk of change from Pixar, Disney, Pixar. Uh,
2: he probably got. Yeah. Did Disney have to pay
1: or Pixar? Or I guess it doesn't say. I think Disney.
2: Well, Disney was representing. Well, so the suit was against Disney,
1: or the suit was against Pixar.
2: Well, see, I, I think. There's probably multiple suits, um, right? Because in like the Laura Madrid or m- case, for example,
1: defendants, I guess. Yeah, Cause
2: yeah. in the in the Laura Madrid trial, for example, she sued Chronicle separately from Pixar and Disney. Oh, uh, okay. And during the injunction, Disney was like the one who was like, I mean, well, yeah, Pete pre- Doctor
1: presumably Disney having an interest in the film, even if the suit was against Pixar, would probably would, have provided them with you know. Yeah. the legal defense resources that they had because, obviously, they had the best interest in Pixar winning the suit.
2: Yeah, exactly. So there you have it. That's so, Those are the two major trials in all their glorious detail.
1: What okay.
2: What do you think of that second one? What do you think? That second one? I don't know. Like, It's kind of hard to say
1: because it's like... It, I think it all comes down to like, did they actually see it or not?
2: If it had been entirely an independent um thought process well the
1: thing is you can't prove it was independently created right right but like do you think
2: he deserved a settlement
1: um i don't know maybe (laughs) (laughs) probably not but you know he got got it so whatever (laughs) i mean i i I don't think disney's really out a bunch of money so you know
2: yeah well that's what we're talking about lori madrid i would we were pulling for her
1: exactly um i don't know he got his money Uh, you got, you want, you care to speculate how much you think he got?
2: (sighs) I couldn't even imagine. Like,
1: I think he got like, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred thousand.
2: Yeah. I don't think it was, I don't think it was like an obscene amount or anything.
1: He probably paid for his court fees and some extra. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Probably enough to put him off the idea of going to a jury trial, obviously. Exactly. So, yeah must have been significant but anyway yeah that's there 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 we go we've 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 gotten to the actual legal truth yeah i
1: think (laughs) this is like the least
2: well i mean we still don't know had anybody at
1: pixar actually seen it no it's true but i mean once again i feel like the 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 court wasn't able to determine that so i don't know if we're gonna (laughs) but i don't know i don't know yeah, I oh. mean, you know, maybe Maybe they just don't care
2: enough about the truth Exactly, they're not as concerned with the, the <laughs> Truth as we are They can't handle the truth <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to me Yeah, I wouldn't be nothing oh, no. If I didn't have you to you. I'm just a punky little eyeball And a funky optic knife. Hey, I never told you this. Sometimes I get a little blue. Looks good on you. But I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have you. Let's dance.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. What a great fucking dude. I love that song. I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have you. Such a good song. And, like, really speaks to how well performed and well casted is like yeah guys... and
1: sung by fucking billy crystal and john goodman
2: yeah and that's like that's the mark of a good voice actor someone who can sing in character i mean john goodman a little bit less so because he's just doing his own voice yeah. but 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 he...
1: well i mean billy crystal's voice is not that far off
2: but he, he he still both of them are amazing in that song and it's an amazing song yeah
1: and uh i think um on the dvd special features or whatever uh randy newman said something to the effect of like yeah i think they didn't do too bad (laughs) (laughs) which means that that's
2: translated i think that's some high praise (laughs)
1: um yeah so like this obviously it speaks to one of the the great you know pixar Fucking bromances.
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: You know, you got Buzz and Woody. <laughs> you got Mike and Sully. You got the kid and the old man from Up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the list goes on.
2: Yeah, that's you got Dory and um, Marlin. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic song. Uh, it's a great song. Um, I think knowing us and what we may or may not have the potential to do. Um, this is not a music podcast.
1: No, it's not. <laughs> or, or we
2: might definitely We've
1: talk. We talk about music on the podcast. Of course. Yeah. Music is important to movies. We've even been known to play a little music yeah, on the podcast. Of course, yeah. Um, um, but no not a music podcast no, not a music podcast.
2: um if we were we i'm sure we would go into a lot of detail about randy because yeah
1: randy's an interesting guy
2: very interesting very talented comes
1: from a long line of newmans
2: a lot of newmans a lot of and a lot of newmans they all work in hollywood and some of them also make pixar soundtracks <laughs> yeah which one did his did, did the other newman do which film? I don't actually know. Uh, what's the film I, after? this? Finding Nemo's after. What's the one after that?
1: Uh, Finding Cars. Nemo. And then Cars. I, guess.
2: I think the other Newman I'm did. Mind. I'm
1: getting foggy. The other uh, Newman did we'll one of Was it Alfred
2: Newman? I think so.
1: I, I mean, there is an Alfred Newman who is a composer, but it, I don't know if it's that one. We're talking about Randy. <laughs> I mean, he's related to Randy We're, Newman. Yeah, it doesn't matter. All the Newmans are... This is a Newman
2: dynasty. <laughs> um... But y- y- i'm sure everybody knows this and agrees but you can't really understate the degree to which randy newman's soundtracks are like synonymous with pixar um, oh yeah and specifically like that
1: kind of like friggin uh you know big band jazz kind of dixie y- thing that he does yeah especially yeah, in monsters it's inc
2: like- it's like it's probably the most prominent that sound you're talking about it's like the most prominent yeah, in this soundtrack, absolutely. but it's definitely sh- bleeds through in all the other ones. Um, well, I mean, Toy Story is Toy like Stars, definitely yeah. much that similar kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, um, Pixar in its early success, I think, was definitely defined by perfection.
1: Like, yeah, well, I mean, near perfection. Near perfection,
2: as much as you can. Because
1: I mean, th- there are some like once again the uh, the hair in uh, <laughs> in <Right>. Toy Story. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, you know, there's some people who aren't as st- stickly.
1: Yeah. I'm a bit of a stickler. Uh, you know, obviously the uncanny Valley human <laughs> people, <laughs> but yeah, other <laughs> than that, pretty, pretty perfect.
2: But in terms of perfection, Randy's contributions to those first three Pixar films. Oh yeah. Randy's top. So there, It's the rug that ties the room together. Um, it really is. Do you want to play the Toy Story main hit? yeah,
1: let's go go for it. You know, I think it's a great song.
0: you got a friend in me. <laughs> You've you got, got a friend, a friend in, in me. me. When you roll the eggs, rub the head in your mouth and smiles from your nice warm bed. Just remember what you me. Yeah, me
1: yeah so I mean definitely that one like you can hear a very similar feel yeah. to what you to what you get that one's like a little bit more like kind of ragtimey but yeah yeah definitely same deal same Excellence, brought to you by our boy Randy Newman.
2: Yeah, like that song for, for people of our generation and and similar generations. That's probably one of the most yeah. memorable movie songs there is. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm pretty sure you give anybody that is within yeah, anybody around our age
2: probably like fucking knows all the words of that, that song. Yeah. About. Um, and. To be fair, you know the tunes from A Bug's Life are a bit less memorable, They're, but you still have great. songs. I don't remember any. Of you still have great songs like "It's the Time of Your Life," and honestly, like I was listening, oh, yeah, to, yeah, I was yeah. listening to it. Um, the actual composition of, of that score is like is really good, um, as yeah. is, as all of them, because he does like the scoring as well. It's not just the songwriting, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, no, no, that's yeah. Many of the movies that we've done, we've kind of focused on like, like for example, Top Gun or whatever, like we did like mainly the no actually we did both but it, a lot of it was focused on like the hit songs yeah the, I mean? like
2: the original songs and uh, the original songs not necessarily like the, the thing same. that
1: would win the the best original song category at, at the Academy Awards which <laughs> was won by Randy Newman on yes,
2: this movie it was for that amazing uh, for, tune
1: for that amazing tune that we heard um, earlier not you got a friend of me yeah uh, yeah the I wouldn't be nothing. Yeah, I wouldn't have nothing. <laughs> I wouldn't if I have didn't nothing have
2: if I didn't have you. You know what? Um, it was this was two thousand one. That was also the first year that they had um, an animated film. Oh yeah, category in the Oscars. Did Shrek win it? Yes, Shrek won <laughs> Shrek one. <laughs>
1: but anyway, um, Shrek had some. Shrek was great these music too. Shrek but, had amazing you know. music. I mean, Shrek, Shrek had was a more fucking of a, all-star. Shrek was so. a
2: soundtrack. <laughs> I so. don't know if
1: you could like compete with that.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's it's hard to compete with. That.
1: I mean, well, um they did. What? Oh, yeah, no, no. Yeah, definitely. And they
2: won an Oscar. Randy Newman did. They did.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Smash Mouth won a fucking Oscar, but maybe they deserve one. No, and also I don't know this for a fact,
2: so maybe I'm out of line here, but I don't think they wrote that song for that movie. I think that was Oh, I I have no fucking clue.
1: Obviously, I mostly associate that song with that movie. Yeah, me too. But but you know, I don't actually. I I feel like everybody of our generation does. Yeah, exactly,
2: (laughs) exactly.
1: Or just memes. Like I don't know any other Smash Mouth songs, yeah, except for that one. Yeah, but this, yeah. Once again, we're getting a little off topic with of Shrek, <laughs> but <laughs>
2: like... yeah, good, good movie, good soundtrack, good stuff. Yeah. Um, in exactly. terms of Monsters Inc., though, uh, it's it's really an expert score and soundtrack. Like, it's really good. Next time you watch it, or you know, if you've already, you should watch it before you listen to this. So, if you have, if you haven't watched it, go back, watch it, restart this podcast from the beginning.
1: Yeah, uh, an interesting thing is they actually recorded this uh pod sorry not this podcast obviously we are recording this podcast not randy newman
2: <laughs> randy <laughs> but, newman's also invited on this podcast
1: yeah anytime you want to come randy you're invited you're talk to us about anything you want to talk doors to. are open talk yeah we'll, we'll about, alter you know. we'll
2: become a music podcast if he wants to come on well
1: yeah we'll do a music podcast just for that unless you want to talk about movies, no, we'll, do we'll, talk about movies. we'll do whatever we'll do whatever we'll do, we'll do whatever uh so like i was saying uh, they actually recorded this uh, soundtrack in a really interesting way how, how? um not i i don't believe that the actual recording that you hear on the on the film was done this way but there is a binaural recording of this film soundtrack what does that mean and that is a interesting uh recording method where they take a a simulated human head what so they while they were recording the music for this movie yeah. with the orchestra and everything yeah so they get a severed they human took, head no a s- simulated yeah so you get it's made of foam okay so like, right right and and in where the ears would be they have two microphones
2: does it look and like so a human head of, or is it just like a ball
1: it looks like a human head yeah it's except it's black like like gray black kind of like <laughs> foam like you know yeah i got you i got you
2: go on <laughs> like acoustic foam i got you like yeah. that's what it looks yeah. like uh, sound uh, absorbing foam
1: yeah um so it, it you set it up in the where where somebody would be listening to an orchestra or something like that yeah and then it records these things to two channels and then you you can put on a pair of headphones and then you can listen to it as if you were standing right there
2: so why the fuck do they need a head can't they just put two mic- microphones where no because
1: then it wouldn't simulate you know the the interactions with the, the human head you know but
2: so is this... it wouldn't
1: have the delay times that that you would
2: it, it wouldn't be quite right so is this is this styrofoam human head does it have, have they made it like the same density as a human head like does it
1: Yeah it's roughly the same density as a human head well, cuz it's got a physically kind of match a human head and right. it's got kind of like a like a a sort of face like thing on it That's as well. so fucking creepy Like it's got like a nose and ears and That's stuff That's like so that. creepy <laughs> Yeah look at look it up it's like look up like a a, a dummy head for, for like a binaural dummy head they look kind of creepy But anyway um, I don't actually they use that on on in the actual version that you hear on like the DVD or whatever but they had an interesting section on the special features where they talked about that really
2: yeah uh, what oh that is so creepy oh my god i hate that <laughs> you, know, you just looked it up yeah it's horrifying um
1: yeah um i don't know if they did that later on later films but you know i guess it was something they wanted to try out for this one
2: so what you're so the point is so you can hear it as you would have had you been standing there
1: as if your head was that head that's interesting if you're wearing a pair of headphones and you listen to the tracks that are recorded with that head it's like your head was in that head it's like you are the head that's really weird <laughs> <laughs> uh you, you can probably like go on uh on youtube or whatever and search for like binaural recordings and like
2: uh yeah i had to try it out dig through a lot to find a picture of the head <laughs> yeah um (laughs) i just wanted to talk about like music for children's movies it can be difficult to score for a composer oh yeah because like you have to you have to wear tons of hats like you've got to have you got to be able to capture that silly whimsical nature of the universe and the characters um but you also have to be able to capture and like accentuate like extremely raw emotional stuff because it's like a children's movie. It's never like subtle emotionally. Yeah. It's always like really uh,
1: No, it, it it's got to come across really obviously. Otherwise they're not going to Exactly. Gonna get it. Like, <laughs> like
2: if it's a sad scene, your music's got to be fucking sad, you know? It, yeah. It's got to be clearly readable like that. And, and and on top of all that, they also have to be able to capture like larger than life action and adventure like sequences yeah. which is like you know that rivals like indiana jones and shit like you know fucking i don't know why indiana jones is my go-to i don't
1: know there's some action, it's action. in that movie yeah, action, or movies action heavy.
2: yeah but you know like the whole door scene is action-packed and the score is yeah. like what you know and there's a
1: yeah, bit just for the uh the door scene they have some music would you like to hear another version of the classic song for this movie, which was uh, If I Didn't... Uh, I Wouldn't Have Nothing, If I Didn't Have You. You want, you want to hear Randy Newman's original
2: version? I wish there was a version for every day of the week.
1: Well, there's at least two versions. You heard the first version. Now, this is... This is Randy singing without John Goodman and uh, and uh, Billy Crystal. And uh, they do an excellent job, but uh, this is, I suppose, how Randy originally envisioned it.
3: Okay. boom.
0: If I were a rich man, with a million or two I lived in a penthouse, in a room with a view. And if I were handsome, it could happen Cause dreams do come true I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have you Wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have Wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have Wouldn't have nothing For years I have envy Your grace and your charm Everyone loves you, you know Yes I know, I know, I know but I must admit it, big guy, always come through. I wouldn't have nothing if I didn't have you. You and me together, it's how it always should be. One without the other. i wouldn't be nothing if i didn't have you to serve still fantastic even though yeah. it's just randy That's
1: and the piano. It's... like i I can't I, I don't think i can stress this enough how impressive it is to me that like not only can randy write you know the hit songs uh like you got a friend of me yeah or i wouldn't have nothing if i didn't have you yeah but he also writes all the fucking incidental music in the movie. Yeah,
2: exactly. He Scores it like a little violin and trip.
1: That's so much music, like that's hours. I mean, and yeah, yeah, probably hours of music because they're not, show, they're not playing the entirety of every track. Yeah, exactly. Even the actual it's, thing, right? So it's like
2: it's insane. Like I mean, it it's yeah, composers are endlessly impressive, and and
1: he managed to have a successful career as just a you know commercial musician.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's... Like, you know,
1: hits such as short people. <laughs> I love LA, you know? Although I do find it very interesting that, like, he writes, like, these songs for, like, Pixar that are, like, super wholesome and everything, but, like, a lot of his, his own music is, like, Less... much more, like, dry and sarcastic. But and, that's like, the thing, is know, he
2: brings that... It's much more cynical and, like, uh, yeah. The, the the cynicism, maybe not, but, but he does bring, like, the, the wit to, like... Yeah, song. definitely
1: wit. I would say. Like we but even like,
2: like we we didn't quite hear it in there, with the line about like I'm just a big arc- eyeball with a little optic noive. It's like and he ha- how he has yeah, the pronunciation exactly. of noive in the like already in the in the demo. You know, the like, Billy Crystal voice that wasn't even a Billy Crystal original. That was a Randy Newman original. No, yeah, exactly. And it's hilarious and it's spot on, and it matches the character. So it's like you know he knows what he's doing. I don't know. I don't know when he wrote yeah. the um the sound. Or the the songs. Yeah, I actually, scores.
1: I was wondering that, because I was wondering, had they done it around the same time they were recording the dialogue? Yeah, I wonder.
2: Yeah, uh, exactly. I'm not totally sure.
1: Because it's like, uh, you would think, like, you have, uh, watch, um, Billy Crystal and John Goodman, like, you have them booked, so, like, you you figure you would record it at the same time, because, you know, they might be busy doing something else exactly. later. you don't want to
2: lose that opportunity.
1: I don't know, but yeah, I think that's that's probably all we got to touch on with uh, with Randy there. Yeah,
2: in, until we can have him on, that'll that Until
1: until you're joining us on the podcast, Randy. You know, always invited. <laughs> <laughs> um, so shall we move on? Yeah, let's let's. What's all right? What what what's what's next? Oh, <laughs> I guess that's next, isn't it? <laughs>
2: All right. I love it. No intro. Fucking straight into it. All
1: right. Uh, Welcome to uh, Six Degrees of Star Trek. This is uh, everybody's favorite segment, where we uh, we talk about how this movie relates to Star Trek. Nobody asked for it, but you're getting it anyway. Nobody asked for this section. Because we are going to track (laughs) the trecular connections of this movie into the Star Trek universe that can connect through any cast or crew member to any part of the Star Trek universe
2: TV or film uh yeah i was worried for you for this one like watching this one i was it was concerned it, i'm not gonna
1: lie to you this is not gonna be the best <laughs> six degrees of star trek you've ever heard really not the but, best uh, one. That sucks. it's not gonna be the finest the finest six degrees of star trek that's fine that's
2: i'm sure the listeners um, will cut you some slack
1: so the first connection that i found was really fucking random
2: <laughs> Ooh, i like these ones I like the ones that um, barely have any connection,
1: well, I mean this is like this is a direct connection here, oh, but you got a one degree yeah, this is a this is a one degree, I think I have two of them depends on what you consider a one degree <laughs> oh, so no. okay. um so this is a definite one degree, okay, this is confirmed, okay, but it's a very small part in both of these
2: things. that's fine, that's a degree, that's a degree, okay,
1: so the voice of the floor manager in uh monsters I think.
2: yeah yeah yeah
1: totally so you know when they're all going on into doing the going yeah the and board. he's he's
2: got seven fingers and he counts down from seven using one hand yes yeah that guy
1: voiced by a guy named steve suskind s-u-s-s-k-i-n-d suskind suskind i don't know sounds right suskind he was in a movie a terrible movie <laughs> called star trek five <laughs> uh, it's not that bad but no it's not great uh, star trek 5 the final frontier it's not the directed worst. by one william shatner um yeah, it's, not, it's not great
2: it's not the worst it's not, it's, great.
1: it's not the greatest one um in which he played a hologram i think it's uh a very tiny tiny role he uh the role is listed in the credits as pitch man Um, He plays an alien on the planet Nimbus 3. Nimbus 3 is, you know, that desert planet that they go to. Right. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, he has some lines.
2: (laughs) He speaks in it. There we go. Boom. That's (laughs) He does speak. That's awesome. Um, Connection. So the second
1: one is debatably a direct connection, but I'm going to go with it because, like, so, okay, Khan. Yeah. I mentioned this earlier. Yes. Uh, The CG sequence in that. Yes, essentially done by Pixar. Well, it yes. was done by Pixar, but so I'm gonna go with Ed Catmull. I don't know what Ed Catmull's actual title was on Monsters Inc. Okay, probably like executive producer or some shit, or right. probably not even mentioned. Anyway, he wrote Render Man, basically
2: not by himself,
1: but he, he worked so on Render Man.
2: He was on the Pixar team. Render Man so. is obviously a key part of Pixar, everything Pixar. So he, um, he, Monsters Inc. would not be the same without his contributions. Well, Pixar
1: in general wouldn't have been the same. I mean, he co-founded the company. That's our two direct connections. Now, we get a little bit more interesting here. Actually, this one is also debatably a direct connection. I have a third one that's debatably a direct connection. In the outtakes for this movie... Outtakes is not a good start. Go on. <laughs> you hear the voice of, of Rex from Toy Story.
2: <laughs> right.
1: But also, like you could connect any one of these people in this movie to Toy Story. Yes. Totally. Anyway, the point is that Rex is voiced by one
2: Wallace Shawn. Love Wallace. Love Wallace Shawn. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. Yeah,
1: so uh, obviously very well known for um, uh, being in The Princess Bride, Mm -hmm. playing the Sicilian. Great performance. But what I have him – what I – associate wallace sean with being a star trek fan being a fan of deep space nine mm-hmm. is he plays grand nagus zek he zeks it up he zeks okay yeah <laughs> um he's grand nagus zek grand nagus is the grand and wearing my deep space nine hat which you can't see right now but it's great um so anyway in deep space nine it's the, the Negus is sort of the head of state of the Ferengi Alliance. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, he should normally, I assume, be running the Ferengi Alliance, but he seems to spend most of his time bumming around Deep Space Nine, bothering Quark. I I
2: know we've talked about how Clint Howard was designed as a human being to be a Ferengi, but yeah, I think but... actually Wallace Shawn might be have you seen him in? Have yeah. you seen any of the episodes?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's wearing so much makeup, yeah.
2: <laughs> like, but just his, <laughs> his persona and his voice is is great. Yeah, for, for um, I
1: actually heard one, uh, one story. Apparently, because apparently, what well, was Sean and he's face nine, and apparently, like um, his shoots were like they used to do like really long days yeah. on the set for East Space nine. And so while well, Sean would get like really hot in his costume and dehydrate, and so he apparently he fell asleep, fell asleep in full makeup, on the set, during a shot once.
2: During a shot.
1: <laughs> I don't know if it was during the shot, but he was on set like, on they were set setting in up. This, he was on set like in costume. That's brutal. And he fell asleep. That must have been horrible. <laughs> that does not sound like a fun time no that does not sound like a fun time but I don't know he seems to be he seems to have had a lot of fun doing Deep Space Nine huh. <laughs> he, he he appeared on several episodes the first episode being season 1 episode 11 from 1993
2: The Nagus. same at, at year as Groundhog Day
1: but yeah so but it does in fact list I believe uncredited however it does list Monsters Inc. on Wallace Shawn'sography. filmography
2: why would it be uncredited?
1: Because he's in like 5 seconds in the credits in ah, like the right. outtakes. Yes, right.
2: In the outtakes. Yes. Forgot about that detail. Which I, I think they play them in, they play them over the credits? I can't remember. Oh, so yeah, sometimes they play those. I don't know if it would have made it onto the actual yeah, credits. I don't, I don't remember if they did.
1: Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, what I was getting to is the Yeti. Oh, uh, yes. Snake.
2: Yes, yes, that guy. I always forget his name, but he's in, he's the guy who's in every Pixar movie
1: john ratzenberger
2: that's his name
1: so we don't really care about the other Star movies that he's in okay but what we do care about is that he was in cheers oh yes he was uh what's his name on cheers cliff uh but you know who else was in cheers another recurring character in cheers kelsey fucking grammar
2: you're doing the kelsey grammar connection <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm I'm connecting through Kelsey Grammer yeah. right to fucking Star Trek, yeah, all right? right.
2: Well, I, I hope you know you're you're closing off that connection for future movies.
1: What, so I can't use Kelsey Grammer any again? This is ever? it, this is your Kelsey, this is your this one. This is my last use of Kelsey. Well, I mean, how many movies is Kelsey Grammer no, in? Not know. that many. I don't know why I'm giving you shit for <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking spent all his time doing Frasier and Cheers. Yeah, so that's like, pretty you know right. He's not going to be in that many movies. No. Although, I guess I could go through Frasier for a lot of things. I don't know. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the episode of um star trek the next generation that uh kelsey Grammer was in was the episode cause and effect that which is the groundhog day episode as many of you might call it uh season
2: five episode 18 which as you were telling me keaton came out before groundhog day it came out yeah 1992 it aired Groundhog Day was 1993.
1: Okay. So, very, very close. But, uh, so this is an episode where Kelsey Grammer dies a bunch of
2: times. <laughs> it's a, it, it's a, it's a cool episode.
1: <laughs> it, it's a fun episode. It's one of those, yeah, it's a Groundhog Day episode. But basically, uh, somehow Kelsey Grammer keeps traveling through time and crashing into the Enterprise. And it repeats every 24 hours or something like that. Oh, yeah. That's right. Kelsey and-
2: Grammer was Captain, um, what's his name captain yeah b- 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 bateson captain um, bateson
1: captain bateson yeah
2: of the bozeman
1: uh yeah so they have to figure out a that they're in a repeating time loop yeah and b that uh how to get out of it and what is it is it data I, data is i think the one that remembers that or figures it out because for somehow data exists out of time. I don't know how he's robot. Uh, they
2: yeah, I'm not exactly sure how they they um justify it, but essentially they like implant something in data's head, but it can only be like one yeah. word long that will like right. play back to him. <laughs> it has to be one
1: word long because of plot. Like, sorry, because of plot twist. Yeah, like the yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's a good episode. <laughs> you should watch it. I I've, I've seen Not it. you. I that was Yeah, I mean mm, that was, I was speaking, I, obviously I've fucking seen it I was speaking to the audience <laughs> seen all of the Star Trek um, That's that's I'm impressed with the amount you managed to scrape together <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so I guess you could say three direct connections in one two step but the two step involves Kelsey Grammer so that's worth mentioning
2: <laughs> it is yes anything <laughs> including Kelsey Grammer is worth mentioning <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: hey Wazowski, nice job. Those numbers are pretty sweet. Are they? You know, I hadn't even noticed. <laughs> and uh, how is Georgie doing? He's doing great. I love working with that big guy. Keep the doors coming, Charlie. I'm on a roll today. George and I are like brothers. Twenty-three <laughs> nineteen. We have a twenty-three nineteen.
3: Red alert.
2: Maybe we should talk a bit about the movie. And yeah, what, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like what did you what did did first of all, do you like the movie?
1: Yeah, I love the fucking movie. <laughs> what do you like? About it?
2: Why do you like it? Why is it a good movie? What did they do right, well? well? I mean, what did they do poorly? Um, okay. That sort of thing.
1: Uh, okay, one thing I kind of want to mention is that like I think kind of the idea of the movie is like they were trying to say, like, oh, you know, the children aren't so bad because they're just kind of misunderstood or whatever, right? Right, which is kind of reverse about monsters, right? Right, but I mean, I think they pretty much demonstrated in the movies the children are straight up dangerous.
2: <laughs> well, no, but the children were only dangerous because of the monster's perception that they were dangerous because so because she caused. She caused panic, mass panic, because they assumed she was dangerous. She
1: also fucking nearly destroyed the fucking electrical
2: system. When? Oh, because of her laughing, right? Yeah, you're right. They are dangerous. They're very dangerous. Yeah. But that's only because of, like... (laughs) Like, would you...
1: Like, a hunk of uranium, right? You know, that's that's some pretty powerful stuff. That's going to generate a lot of power, but you wouldn't want one of those running, like... Somebody carrying a block of uranium through the city. No, right? that
2: probably wouldn't go so well. That's a good point. Exactly. You got a good point.
1: So uranium's pretty dangerous. So children are like uranium.
2: That's a pretty good point.
1: So, I mean, the, uh, the what, CDA has, a I think, a valid reason for existing. Yeah,
2: but and the, this reminds me of a point I have <laughs> that's in a similar vein. Assuming Monstropolis is a capitalist place. Based on everything we've seen,
1: yeah, I mean, it seems to be. It
2: seems to be right because he's talking about earnings and it's a company. I mean, it's incorporated well, for Christ yeah. He's sake.
1: talking about yeah. He's employed by well, yeah, Monsters Incorporated. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, so at the end of the movie, when Mike makes that kid laugh, yeah, and s- s- like doing his routine, and yeah. um, and Sully tells him he's filled his quota on the first kid of the day. Does yeah. that mean they're collecting all that surplus energy? Like, does he continue working for the rest of the day and collect all that surplus energy? And in that case, I, I, that, I doesn't that just it lower... His,
1: the details of his contract.
2: But that doesn't that just lower the value of en- the energy? He's just flooding the market. Wouldn't that be bad for business?
1: I assume Monsters Incorporated has some kind of... I assume that's why they have the quotas. Right. Because I assume I, mean, I, I don't like, know anything
2: about business, so this is I'm just.
1: I mean i I don't really either. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a lawyer either, uh, or a businessman, or uh, anything. Yeah,
2: but yeah. I think the the set design, um, are so important to this movie as they are for every movie. I feel like that might be a dumb point, but like... I,
1: I I do definitely think like the uh, the world is very sort of flushed out seeming.
2: Totally, yeah, exactly. And, it, like,
1: I think a lot of that has to do, like, they actually, um, I think they, they called it, like, the they created, like, a new department for, like, set dressing or whatever, I think, wow. for this movie. Yeah, uh, which it's... is, because obviously, like, it, it's kind of weird making, like, a CGI movie because it's, like, you know, you don't have all the same. Like, normally when you're making a regular movie, you have, like, all these different departments that are doing all these different things for, like, yeah. sets. And, like, they they all have a very established job that they've been doing for the last, like, 50 to 60 years, right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: But, you know, I assume when they first started making Toy Story or whatever, it was just a bunch of animators, right? So they kind of had to do everything.
2: Yeah, this animator's animating this today. I mean, i yeah, sure exactly. they specified so, this guy's animating, you know.
1: Yeah, so I sets. think as it kind of developed, they kind of uh, started treating it more just like, you know, any other kind of movie and that, you know, the computer was just there to, move, to be the set, you know? Yeah. So, um, right. yeah, like, I think, like, a lot of the animators that were hired for uh, Pixar, like, they were not actually computer animators or whatever. Right. They actually just taught them how to use the system that they developed. Well, That's and, pretty cool. Yeah, like, I think definitely the world building is really, really good, although if you start to analyze it, no, it's a children's and movie. It, shouldn't... It, it, it's it's obviously it a children's much. movie and it does start to fall apart, but, you know, that is the name of the game. That is what we do here. Um, <laughs> we break childhood memories apart. <laughs> um, yeah, like... Like, you were talking about the quota there. <laughs> oh, another thing I was doing is... So, they actually did do a kind of a good job of this, but then there were things that I was wondering. So, it's like... Uh, in Monsteropolis, there are stairs in places. Yes. Yeah. How does something with tentacles use stairs?
2: Alright, oh, just. I bet. I bet if you went on YouTube right now and and searched "octopus climb stairs," yeah, i I bet your
1: octopus climb. Something but would happen. But anyway,
2: uh, so they did
1: actually take into account a lot of these things. And you will notice that, like for example, Mike is a certain height, and Sully's a certain height. Or, if I yeah. say, Mister Sullivan, Mister um, Mr. Sullivan, Mister Mr. James a P. Height. Sullivan, <laughs> he's a certain height. And so, uh, I think they had two different doors on on their apartment, right? Yeah, they had two different doors, One for two different sizes, and then they had the chair that Sully sits in, which has a big hole in it.
2: Yeah, the hole for his tail. The hole
1: for his tail. Great. Touch. And so, yeah, they 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 had some some pretty cool things, but it just um, I feel like. There were a lot of things that they should that they should have had to do because there are such a variance of like different kinds of monsters that that have different forms of locomotion. Yeah, totally. Like, no, if you start you know, picking
2: apart the design like that, it does fall apart. Like, like yeah, but I mean,
1: you wouldn't expect it to do that.
2: But yeah, like <sighs> I feel like
1: uh, Monstropolis is probably not the most accessible place for everybody. no, no. I, I it probably tailors towards the ones with arms and legs.
2: Yeah. Absolutely, I agree. I think it would have to. I feel like there's just all these Silver Guns monsters, and like it's. I didn't see many solutions. Yeah. To some of the problems I saw. And
1: I feel like a lot of them were kind of just played for visual gags. Which is like you know. They're just trying to make a joke. So there was that giant,
2: that giant eyeball in the window that those kids who were jump roping accidentally hit him in the eye. How did he get? Yeah. Maybe there's a bigger back door, but the is pretty small
1: some really good visual gags in this movie actually
2: it's a great movie it is it and it it's a laugh out loud movie too
1: yeah like i yeah i, I noticed a ton of things in yeah in this movie that were funny that i obviously wouldn't have probably picked up on as a child
2: yeah then they do i mean the nature of having like billy crystal and, and john goodman is like they do make you know some great um adult aimed jokes yeah um, not as many as Shrek, but you know.
1: No, yeah, definitely Shrek was... Uh, I think Shrek that's... kind of, you know, uh, brought a new meaning to the uh, definition of, like, family movie. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, and... it was fun for the whole family, you know?
2: Exactly, and that's, that's why it won the Oscar. The adults
1: got the jokes, the kids got different jokes, you know? So, if you were to swap one of the actors between shrek in this movie Ooh. so so we're talking about like would you you could swap like eddie murphy with like you know john goodman or something like that or like eddie murphy with billy crystal or you know mike myers with uh that's a good question billy crystal etc
2: i would put it would have to you'd have to take eddie murphy i think in this situation
1: <laughs> is, is eddie murphy who's eddie murphy now in in monsters inc
2: Eddie Murphy is now we're gonna replace huh, this is tough.
1: I mean the obvious thing would would to do would be to swap donkey would be to swap Eddie Murphy and Billy Crystal, I think. But like that's probably too no. obvious. Cause I feel like Billy Crystal could be a good donkey too.
2: Oh we're talking like full swap. Yeah, full like swap. They take... got to
1: play the other role in the other movie.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay, well, that changes the whole fucking game. That yeah, the exactly. Whole fucking game. Okay, in that case, I'm switching um, John Lithgow and John Goodman.
3: Ooh.
1: Ooh, that's good.
2: That's what I'm doing. Because then you have John Goodman as Prince Farquaad, which would be actually great.
1: That would be great. Or Lord It would be a, <laughs> Farquad, a different sorry. take, but like, I, it would definitely be scarier, I think.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I think John Lithgow could be a great Sully. I think he has it in him. I'd be interested to see that, yeah. Like, not quite the, like, right voice, necessarily, because he doesn't have quite the, like, he doesn't sound like a big man, like John Goodman does. Yeah, he doesn't sound like a
1: friggin' bear.
2: Depth, like, he's a baritone, he's got depth to his voice, for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. (laughs)
2: Well, on that note, that's totally kind of unrelated to (laughs) the movie we were talking about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're relating it. It's Shrek and and Monsters Inc. There's total there's connection. The two Goliaths <laughs> of two thousand and one, Of two thousand and one, animated film industry. But anyway, I think we're starting to lose our direction here, so we may as well. I think just... we are. We should
1: probably just wrap this up, eh? Yeah, we'll
2: call <laughs> it. We'll call it. <laughs> All
1: right. Um, yeah. Uh, before we say goodbye to you guys,
2: ah, uh, yes, should just
1: mention. Uh, we are available on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Stitcher and many other places.
2: Many platforms, Podbean. You can uh, Podbean. You can, yeah. look you us can up. Follow us. Follow us Subscribe, on Facebook.
1: Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Tweet at us any of your questions or. Uh, send a message to podcast at jake del com.
2: Any questions? Any, Any concerns? questions? Any we comments? will
1: do our best to get back to you and perhaps read some on the show. I don't know what. If would we get happen. something good, that would be yeah, awesome. Yeah, if we get something good, maybe we'll read it on the show. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, mm-hmm. That has been this installment of Crane Kick Commentaries. I will see you in the future. We're talking about a different movie. This has been Crane Kick Commentaries, you know. Follow us on the social. Yes. Good night and goodbye. Goodbye.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this year's Company Play. Starring, written, and directed by Mike. And produced. And produced by Mike Wazowski. Oh. Put that thing back where it came from Oh, so help me, so help me So help me, goodbye Put that thing back where it came from Oh, so help me, so help me I just gotta cry Your seat is right over there, sir Boo! There's a child, there's a child There's a human child oh, no. Running around the restaurant This is really wild! Oh. What's everything name will become of us? We who are living in Manstrapola! All right, Wazowski. Tell us where the kid is. I will never talk.
3: Never!
2: She's out of our hair
0: And just when I dare to care she says "Oh, contraire you're my pair of friends i love you <laughs> keep it together man and so we put that kid back where she came from and she helped us to find a better